Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. the fucko hell the fucko okay fucking hello welcome to the podcast coming in lukewarm (laughs) i just want everybody to have the satisfaction of the reason why this podcast is rated explicit right off the start your kids in the car and you're like god damn it megan Mm. (laughs) welcome to but am i wrong a podcast starring two people who've never been wrong melissa diamond motts and me megan ranks you weren't gonna give your full name no, because I have to, I have a hard time saying my middle name with only one of my last names because I technically have two last names, mm-hmm. but I like never go by Megan Rose Rinks. Like that just sounds odd. Like then I have to, I go by Megan Rinks or like my full, full name. Mm-hmm. You used to go by Megan Rosette. Rosette. <laughs> Megan Rosette here reporting for duty <laughs> with my blue, t- Tiffany blue room with my brown accent wall. Like, in high school or middle school, or, like, did you have a room that was, like, painted after you saw Because you stopped moving after... I stopped moving, but I was so used to having white walls Uh that I didn't... That's why we never painted. We never really hung up pictures. We were very minimalist before people were talking about (laughs) minimalism because we moved so much. And also, when people walk into a house that has pictures of Black people hanging up, the value of houses goes down. So, we never hung pictures. It's, It's a court case in Marin right now. Yeah. Yeah. So this is odd. When I went to college, but then came back home during the summer, I painted my room like a seafoam green. Of course. And it was the only painted room in our whole house. (laughs) But I loved it. There was the colors in middle school or high school that people painted. It was like that Tiffany blue, a seafoam green. Some people were like purple or pink. Mm -hmm. Oh, I actually take that back. Melanie did paint her room. She was at home. It was pink. Cute. One of my friends, her mom was an artist. And so she had like a literal like sunset cloud mural of like her favorite colors in her room. Sydney had like a, because her her dad is like, he's like an artist. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Jerry rebelled and had an entire wall that she like pinned up photos of Justin Bieber, like floor to ceiling. Like it looked like an episode of Hoarders. Like it was a lot. But they were very much like, they always had like beautiful furniture, like very nicely styled. And like the kids always had taste because mm-hmm. like their parents, you know, have taste. But Sydney's room growing up was burnt orange. And I was like, what fucking like eight year old is like, I love this burnt sienna color. It was gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. But like everyone else had lime green rooms. And she was out here with her burnt orange and her like restoration hardware, like rustic dresser. And like it was just like, <laughs> I was like, this is so she. Her parents are like, Pottery Barn kids? Nah, nah, that's that's not the look we're going for. <laughs> so fucking funny. But I had three different bedrooms in my house. Like, I not at the same time, but like I moved between mm-hmm. them. Because once I was, al- once <laughs> I was allowed to move rooms, once I could stop having, this is so on brand for me. I had to have a gate on my bed up until 
Did you fall out of your bed? Every night. If I didn't have that, I would roll off my bed. And I had a gate up there up until probably sixth grade. I would roll off. How big was your bed? A twin. And I was, you know, I'm like a decent sized human. And so like I'm long, I'm lengthy. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved to my uh, to an upstairs bedroom after that, which then I had a trundle bed that for my for a while, I would just sleep, sleep with the sense. trundle out. So if I fell yeah, off. Yeah, so you I, just roll into the next bed. Exactly. I definitely had sleepovers where I like, rolled onto my friends and I'd be like, oh, my bad. You should take the low into the trundle. I probably should have. I think I maybe did after a while. But yeah, <laughs> then I did each wall was painted a different like pastel color. I was very into it. But everybody comment on the Instagram post that we just posted <laughs> what your middle school slash high school room color was because I feel like it's an identifying personality trait Mm. like the people who had like the hot pink and like zebra themed room or like the purple and black like Paris themed room like it's it's a whole style I did put up a lot of posters of boy bands and things like that JT yeah well when I was in that age of putting up posters I wasn't a JT fan yet what were your things I had a lot of Backstreet Boys I did have NSYNC but it was before I liked Justin Timberlake. Okay. He was in NSYNC, not Backstreet mm-hmm. Boys. Okay. Wow. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I had a Britney and Christina. Like all the the hits from the time Tyra Banks was up there. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. This was before America's Next Top Model. So it was just modeling. So It was modeling without the problematic yes. part of it. Also, a lot, that was when the Got Milk campaign was hot. And so <gasps> it was mostly those, the Got Milk posters. I still think those are so fucking weird. They are weird. Big Milk was like, you know what? We need to get all these people that are in the pop culture zeitgeist and paint fake milk mustaches on them. And this is a thing. And it was like a huge thing. Huge. Yeah. They like brought it back recently too for like a small era. We've talked about it on this podcast before when we when you came after Big mm-hmm. Milk. What are those things called where people just like stick up posters on the side of buildings? Are there names for that? Yeah, there's a name, but I don't know what it is. But anyway, there was one talking about Big Milk, but then a car drove next to me, so I couldn't take a picture of it. But it wasn't. It was funny. Yeah, you. They see you. You they see did. them. Mm-hmm. It's a whole conversation. Right. Speaking of conversations, this is a podcast. You know that. You clicked on this. But am I wrong? Where we tell you, like the title says, if you were wrong, <laughs> we'll tell each other if we were wrong. We will also tell celebrities and current events, pop culture events, people, if they were wrong, they're definitely not listening mm-hmm. unless Lena Dunham has decided to like search her name and <laughs> somewhere and find all the negative things people have said about her. We are going to decide who's the hero and villain in each of the stories. If you want to submit for the But Are You Wrong segment, send us an email over at butamiwrongpod at gmail.com. Keep it under 300 words. And if you have someone you want us to nominate for Rachel of the Week, a.k.a. But Are They Wrong, the pop culture, current event, shit, tag us on whether it's like a TikTok or on Twitter, Instagram, send us a message and let us know. We've gotten a lot of a lot of those. The one that I have picked for this week is actually one that someone tagged me in. Oh, cool. And I appreciate it. For every episode, you can vote on who you think was wrong if you head on over to our Instagram. And these episodes go up on Thursday. And we usually have the votes up by Friday. If not, they're up before Monday. And we have highlights. So because the stories tend are very long, they don't always show up 
for that 24 hours, all of them in sequence on like just the stories feed. So head on over to the highlights. You got 24 hours to vote and that's what you need to follow. So you can know when they're up so you can vote in them. And then we will read the results right now here. Would you like to kick us off? I will. Melissa versus delivery people coming five hours early. 7% said that I was wrong. 93% said I was not wrong. I didn't like the people arguing with you about this. Yeah, me either. Because they said I should have called when they got there, called the company. And I said the reason why I said they were wrong is because they lied. I couldn't predict that they were going to lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't like it. Next up is me versus International Women's Day. 96% said I was not wrong and 4% said I was wrong. I did get a chunk of people who are saying that they are in different countries and they had no idea that it wasn't like predominantly used as like a day of protest or mm-hmm. anything political with like that change behind it. And they were like, wait, I had no idea that it really wasn't that because like that's how it's used where I live. And I was like, yeah. That's, I didn't know that that's how it was used in other places until I looked it up. America. Yeah, I mean, we were one of the last countries that, you know, see themselves as the rulers of Earth that was like, we should even make this an International Women's Day. And it came from, like I told in the last episode, a woman that's not even, at the time, she wasn't even American. So, yeah. And leave it to America to hallmark. Mm-hmm everything and monetize it see it through a capitalist capitalist lens mm-hmm. <sighs> writer number one versus grandma who says they didn't pay back money who was wrong four percent said the writer 96 percent said grandma great picture thank you everyone go look even if you've already missed voting because it is a great photo next up we have writer number two versus the friend who bought concert tickets without her consent who is wrong three percent said the writer and 97 percent said the friend some people did reach out and they were like oh my gosh i do this for my friends but it's only like 25 dollars like blah 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 i personally think that like unless you have had like a conversation that it, it goes back and forth where it's like, oh, like I'm I, these concert we want to go to and blah, blah, blah. But if you're constantly springing $25 expenses on people without like having cleared bef- ahead of time that they're like, anytime you see a concert that we want to go to, like just buy the tickets. Like I'm so, I'll pay you back. It'll be great. Like blah, blah, blah. I would also probably still get annoyed. Yep. I agree. I think that if you're going to do something like that, you should be prepared to eat the cost. Always. Mm-hmm. It's like loaning money, mm-hmm. you know? If you don't have it, then don't loan it. Mm-hmm. If you don't have it, don't buy it. Yep. Writer number three versus leading on boy in, you know, quotes, that tried to force the writer into a relationship. Who was wrong? 2% said the writer. 98% said the boy. Hoping that these were some incorrect votes. But, you know, mm-hmm. again, as we say, if you voted wrong, let us know. And also, if you voted what is considered the vast unpopular opinion, I would love to hear the reasoning. Why? Next up, we have writer number four versus boyfriend who went on their usual couple date with his online friend. 6% said the writer was wrong and 94% said the boyfriend was wrong. We got an update for this. Let me find it. Oh, I missed this. Hi, I'm the one who wrote this one. To clarify slash update, he went with his college roommate. So 10 years of friendship. He just lives about an hour away and life is busy. So it's hard for them to coordinate hanging out in person. Hence the online hangouts. We talked about it, and he didn't realize that I valued going together as much as I did. And the pot pie is only Tuesdays, which is why he wanted to take his friend that day. 
I just felt upset because we planned to go together and he changed the plan same day. But we're all good and make a point to have a dedicated weekly date, even if it's not Tuesday. And thanks for hearing my submission. I love hearing your unbiased feedback. Makes way more sense. You know, it's not like her boyfriend's just like trolling on Reddit and like befriending like strangers and taking them to pie. That would have been valuable information to know, though. <laughs> True. So our mutual wrong of the week, Jane Campion, who's wrong. 97% said Jane. 3% said Jane is not wrong. I also hated the people being like, you know, I just think that she was nervous and blah, blah. I hate. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Why would you bring them into the conversation? Of all the people that are there. Why would you bring them into the conversation? And in that way. Yeah, in a category that doesn't even make sense for comparison. Exactly. I'm like, if you're like starstruck by them and you're just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm accepting this word in front of like Venus and Serena. Like, I just like, this is, this is wild. Like, oh my gosh, like blah, blah, blah. I loved their mood. Like, I loved that they were able to share their story for King Richard. Like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the word vomit. If you get up there and you're so obsessed with them and you're so starstruck, it's complimentary. Right. You know, like this whole notion of like, you know, and it's it's white women defending her and mm-hmm. this notion of like, obviously the, the big thing that everyone says, like intent versus impact, but also that like your internal bias you somehow just don't have, you don't have that and you don't have those like microaggressions that you would do or anything like that, that like you should just assume that people have wonderful and great intentions, even though that is like nothing of what they said and like nothing of what they did. It's like, instead of listening to what they said, think of like the exact opposite of that. And that's probably what it was. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but there's no evidence of that. Like why? No, just apologize and just be like, I fucked up. I, ugh, I can't. And if you're defending that, you're also just probably doing that in your own life mm-hmm. okay and then we've got tim leisner kimura lee simmons soon to be ex-husband for a rachel of the week and we said 99 percent tim is wrong one percent tim is not wrong did you see the update Mm-mm. i mean it's not like he messaged us but like, <laughs> <laughs> like it was something in the news that happened let me pull this up this one is from their divorce trial, but this is like ex-Goldman's banker, banker's wife created shell company to launder millions. So Tim Lessinger was this guy's boss. And like, that is a part of this thing too. So like, oh, I don't wow. know if he's in a divorce case and also like a money laundering embezzlement <laughs> case at the same time, or if they're- Tied together. Yeah. Oh, here's on his Wikipedia. It says that he pled guilty to he sold $200 million from Malaysian Sovereign Wealth Fund. Mm. Yeah, it says here that he had a 41000 per month side gig that he never disclosed. Mm-hmm. And he's been banned for life from the Securities and, Ex- and Exchange Commission and forced to pay a $43 million fine. And he faces up to 25 years in prison and testified against his former deputy, Roger NG in a trial, and he's portrayed in a book, Billion Dollar Will, The Man Who Fooled Wall Street, Hollywood, and the World. So he's a scammer. Can you just imagine that on top of all this coming out, like you have to like tell a court that you also catfished? Right? <laughs> <laughs> like they're like, oh my gosh, you are also just embarrassed. Like this is so embarrassing for you. Yeah. His lawyer's probably like, oh, and then you did what? Oh, and here's the thing. All of this keeps coming out week to week to week. So, like, who knows if more is going to come out? The New York Times. Ex-Goldman Sachs banker testifies in one MDB trial says he lied a lot. That's the quote. (laughs) You don't say. That's so funny. Uh, 
Yeah, so there's two separate trials going on. <laughs> well, if anything else happens, uh, we will keep you all updated on um, <laughs> the embarrassments of Tim. Tim's L's. Tim's public L's. <laughs> I wonder if he has kids. I don't know if they have kids together, but he does have two kids. Okay. According to his Wikipedia. Too fucking funny. So, <laughs> it's just like he's... <laughs> First, I've never heard of this man in my life, and he is having a he's he's having a time. He's going through it. Yeah, it wasn't his former wife a like billionaire too? I think so. Like an heiress or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then my wrong of the week slash Rachel of the week was the Bob Saget death conspirators. Ninety-eight percent said everybody with these conspiracy theories are wrong, and two percent said the conspiracists are not wrong. I will say that. You know, heart goes out to Bob Saget's family, who now is also being used in (laughs) tweets and shit that is completely unrelated to this, where thank God that those photos and all of that shit didn't get released, because even without all of that, people are still finding a way to bring up his death. Yeah. Okay. Well, we are going to move on to the But Am I Wrong segment, where we each essentially pitch each other. Uh, our hot takes or things that have happened in the past week, and we will ask the other one if, hey, do you think I'm wrong? And then again, you will head on over and vote on the Instagram stories. I guess it's my turn to go first. And this is a hot take. Okay. I've kind of dabbled in this hot take. I don't even know, like, we've dabbled in this hot take, like, talking about it together. I don't know if we've ever talked about, like, or alluded to some of this on the podcast. I might have talked about, like, alluded to this a little bit, but my hot take is the anti-mommy vlogger and mom creator platform, people who are so against that, actually does more harm than good. Mm-hmm. And it is, first of all, I just want to say that I am not for exploiting your children by any means. I'm not for it in any realm In when it comes to like child actors. I'm not for it when it comes to any child who is too young to make the choice or to choose a job and like to work and make money and perform. And even if a child actor or like someone wants to do that stuff, like not having the family rely on that income or anything like that. Like, I think that there's also, you know, there's a a privilege when it comes to being a child actor that like, you know, you have to have a parent quit their job and like do all this and blah, blah, blah. But there have been With the start of, like, the rise of TikTok, there's, like, the whole genre of people putting their kids on TikTok. We've talked about this before. And naturally, there is, like, a life cycle of fandoms where you, like, go from absolutely loving someone and standing someone, and then you go to, like, absolutely hating them and trolling them. And mommy vloggers and people who put their... Moms who put their kids online, their comment sections and the hate they get compared to men who do that with their kids don't receive any of it. There's so much sexism rooted in the desire to like take down these people. And they put it under the guise of like protecting these children and that they're preventing like abuse. And I think that like if a parent is abusing their child, yes, please report that. But when you call having a kid do a video on YouTube and you're calling that like not a, even not even YouTube, but like you're having like a kid who's like participating in like whatever, someone like having a video of them like feeding their baby 
and you're calling them recording a video and posting it online of their kid not doing anything embarrassing or bad, just like living their life and their kid is just happens to be in that and you call that abuse. I think that it just diverts a lot of attention and kind of minimizes like real abuse that is happening and going on. And there are so many children who are being abused and are in horrible situations. But when people latch onto these famous people who show these pictures of their kids or whatever, and it's just about protecting those kids. And then it also feels like the same fan behavior that they're upset with people being so obsessed with these kids but then they in turn become so obsessed with hating these like families, these moms or whatever. Instead, I think if you are so anti having people make content involving their underage kids, regardless of what the, con- again, I'm saying like if the content is not abusive or harmful. It's just the act of them being there on camera. I think that your the tactic needs to be addressing people who watch those videos in the audience. Because when you come after the people creating that, all you then do is make those content creators bitter, more angry, and want to prove you wrong. And then they overhaul in doing all of this kind of shit. When I think like the conversation needs to be that like, we need to be more conscious about the content that we consume. And as consumers, we should be understanding that more versus villainizing like individuals and people who are making content with their kids on it, don't watch it. And if there's like, talk to their, like if you're trying to get someone to stop making videos, and this is the other part I've seen is that like, even when those people stop make, stop make, they stop making videos, that hate doesn't stop. They're still obsessed with finding out what they're doing now. They're still this, 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 and this. And it becomes like a, oh, this isn't about protecting kids or anything like that, because there's nothing that this person could do that would satiate you. Mm -hmm. You have a specific fascination with this specific person, not the concept. You're not trying to pass legislation. Like you're not calling your senators and being like, you shouldn't be allowed to post children here. You're not calling like platforms and doing all of that. It's like an obsession with these people. And I think that that is equally as unsettling as people who are positively obsessed with a family channel or a family content creator and their kids. I think the people who hate them are a little scarier because it's still a personal obsession. It's just on the negative side. And I just don't like it. And, you know, I obviously don't want people to take advantage of their kids in that way and like monetize them and do all of this stuff where it's like centered on their kids because like, yeah, I'm sure psychologically not great once those kids grow up and I'm sure there's going to be things that they deal with. But I think that like when you essentially berate specifically the mom who is doing that over and over and over again, all you're ensuring is that that kid now has a mom who is like bitter and hates the world. And that is going to affect her relationship with her kids far more than it is going to necessarily make her stop making videos, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What you were saying about how people treat the moms versus the dads, it reminded me of this comic that I saw that I don't know how to pronounce the name correctly, but it looks like Shawnee Bruce, Brucey, C-H-A-U-N-I-B-R-U-S-I-E. But they have this comic called that's like mom versus dad and It has like a dad at the park with his kids and he's on the phone and then a mom at the park at the kids and she's on her phone and like people are gossiping like, wow, what a good dad taking his kids to the park when the mom's on the phone. Wow, she's not even watching her kids. It's like that same energy that people just put 
fathers on a different pedestal, a different mm-hmm. way that people judge because they feel like mom should always be there. And then dads, anything they do is just bonus. And so, yeah, I don't think you're wrong. The internet is still relatively new and people, especially the video components and sharing your lives and people still don't exactly know how to balance what should be on the internet. There's still a lot of judgment that goes into that. This is only the second, gen- I guess we're going into third generation of, actually, I think it's more second generation of having kids that are like putting there because like millennials were really putting themselves on the internet, but now it's the kids of that putting on the internet. So I think in 10, 15 years, it'll be just the norm and people won't be as judgmental. But right now people are being super judgmental on that. Yeah. And I also think it needs to be addressed the origin of why people post content on the internet and why especially women are doing this. It's because a lot of the time the women are at home by Mm -hmm. themselves all day with these kids with no adult interaction Mm -hmm. and they have no community. They might not have people who like live near them, especially like first time moms and they're at home with a fucking baby all the time. And so like there is this need for connection and I think a lot of time people think that the origin of people who are making like mom content or whatever, it's because like, oh, they're just trying to like make money. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's the thing. I'm sure if you see someone who is like late stage in the game, has like a bunch of kids and is like done this for years, has like family by, has friends by, has like all of this and like has a very supportive from the outside, even that can be an incredibly lonely experience. But the reason why you go to the internet is for connection and relatability and to like meet people who can like understand you. And it's the same thing that's like, I give so much shit about the MLM community, but I don't give shit about the people who who get swindled into it mm-hmm. because there's a reason why they target stay-at-home moms. It's because like, there's this like feeling of like, I don't have a purpose because also men believe or in, in traditionally this idea that like, oh, I am, I'm the man in this cis-hetero relationship and I'm going to work. And the wife stays home with the kids, which that, as if that's not a full-time job, right? you know? And so like the reason why people start doing this is not always as nefarious as people think. And like, yeah, there are some people who are absolutely horrible and horrendous. But if you just start attacking every single parent who puts their kid online and you are calling like it abuse, then the stuff that's actually happening where parents are putting videos of their children online in very indecent outfits and they're aware that they're being used on like nefarious sites and all of that, that gets overshadowed by people being upset that a mom is formula feeding her baby. Mm -hmm. When you're calling both of those things abuse, one of those things is then becoming like, you hear someone be like, oh, formula feeding is abuse. And you're like, well, it's not abuse. And then you're like, oh yeah, this mom was like posting like very like sexualized photos of their kid that's being used on like child pornography websites. And you're like, oh, it's not abuse. Because it just becomes like, when you call these things the same thing, you devalue both of the right. the meaning of that for both of those instances. And yeah, and I mean, I, we've talked about this offline, but I think one specific thing that it's like, if you still hear all of this and you're like, I don't think so. If you look at the fact that there is a guy who has a podcast called the Dad Challenge Podcast, where he has literally made his money <laughs> on calling out people who put their kids online and he makes videos about that. So like you're monetizing the negative negativity around that. So if that whole thing blew up and went away, which he's saying is his goal, I'm like, then what's your job? Right. Like, then what are you doing? Like you're making money off of this. And he's also specifically coming after moms. And he is also, you know, he's one of the uh, Canadian mm-hmm. convoy dudes and yeah. has a bunch of problematic views. So, and I think the true solution to all of this is, you know, having like, 
you know, equal pay, having people like women have access to like childcare, also having like better birth control access and, and all of this kind of stuff where it's like, you, you're not going to have, you're going to have people who don't necessarily feel that the only way that they can make a connection with people is online and having it. So they're supportive, whether it's financially through the entire pregnancy, if they don't want to carry a pregnancy, so they're not home by themselves. Do you mean like there's all of this stuff? Like people get upset with teen moms for making teen mom YouTube channels. And I go, how else the fuck do you think that these 16 year olds think that they can make money Mm -hmm. being at home with their kid? Like until we have resources across the board for people who are like carrying pregnancies or getting pregnant, having like this extreme form of judgment to how they provide for their children, you know, you're, you're doing more harm than good. You're just going to have these people come back at it and you're making their parents angry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Ugh. Very good topic. I think about this one a lot, a lot, a lot. You know, the two things I've been thinking about, not as deep as yours, but I was watching Bridgerton this weekend and I was thinking about how much they smell and they're just okay with it. <laughs> it's just like people of that time period just smelled yeah. all the time. And then I was also thinking about how up until, I mean, it's actually still going on. It's just more regulated. How just like people are just walking around high all the time because medicines just had like cocaine and MDMA oh, and just like, yeah, just like regular <laughs> like cough medicine or just like, this is what we use because we're feeling sad. We're just going to put heroin in here. So cough medicines, just like heroin. So these are things that I was just thinking about a lot this weekend. Hey, Bridgerton will do that to you. I have not watched it, but I have watched Trixie and Katya watch it. And I watch them watch Mm -hmm. it on Netflix. And they brought up the same thing. They're like, all these people smell so bad. (laughs) They're just stinky. Yeah, I was like, valid. They are. Beautiful dresses, though. Oh, yeah. I'm going to a Bridgerton ball this Friday. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But what are you going to wear? I bought a dress. We'll see what it looks like. It hasn't come yet. It'll be here today. Wait, I'm so excited. Yeah. Are you going to wear gloves? Mm-hmm. Of course. <gasps> I'm going to wear gloves because I don't want to touch anything. So Good call. Yeah. I also got a, like, I'm wearing, of course, my regular mask. But then I've got, like, a gold satin thing to put and over it so i'll be protected holy shit this is glad i i better see pictures you'll see pictures so my turn um mine's gonna be very easy not not really any explanation to it (laughs) so someone sent me a message last week and was like hey i want to put you in contact with this one person um can i give them your contact information I guess I didn't respond fast enough because, I mean, I was working and an hour after they sent the message, I had phone calls from this person they were trying to connect me to. So they gave them my contact information without me okaying them to give me the contact information. Also, this person, it's not really a benefit to me, so I'm not seeing why. they. It was more a benefit for them. Like a favor? Yeah. And so I'm not seeing why they would just go ahead and give my contact information out. And I don't want to talk to this person. So am I wrong for not responding back when I did want to respond in the first place? It's just it's more of me just being petty because I'm like my information was given out and I didn't want it given out. So am I wrong for being petty? Not at all. I think that like I've had 
so many people who like will be like friends of friends or like my friends will be like, oh, so-and-so wants to reach out or blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, no, don't give my contact or yes, go for it or whatever. Mm -hmm. But also like said friends will also filter that where it's like, yeah, they will tell the other person like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, uh, let me like or like, oh, you know, like they're not really doing that thing anymore. Like you should try blah, blah, blah Mm -hmm. or blah, blah. But it is 2022. If you need to contact someone, there's a reason there's public contact information, Instagram DMs email that you see in there, looking up a person and then looking up their email on their LinkedIn. Like Mm -hmm. when people try and use like that personal connection, you can use that personal connection in an opening of an email that you found that is public that I assume people like you are going to find it. But like, no, you don't get to do that if it's like a phone number or something that's not out there. Like that's just, that makes you look bad who's reaching out too. Mm -hmm. Like makes me not want to respond to you. Right. No, you're not wrong at all. Okay. I absolutely hate that shit, like, just in general, even when it's something that, like, you know, I could do or I'm okay with, like, whatever. But it's always, like, a favor. Mm-hmm. And it's always, like, something that you, they would pay anyone else to do. Exactly. To, like, consult or, like, just to ask questions, or, like, pick your brain about something. And when it's a friend, I'm like, yes, I want to see you succeed. Great, mm-hmm. wonderful. Or if it's, like, someone who, like, this could be a mutually beneficial partnership and, like, you have some, like, you do something really interesting, like, that mm-hmm. I could use, like, your experience with. But otherwise, it's just, like, this is unpaid charity work. Exactly. And then you feel like you have to, like, be good and, like, do it because you have an obligation because so- it's, like, you have a mutual friend or you mm-hmm. have someone that you, like, might actually care about. Yeah. But it's, like, you couldn't just wait till I responded. You just gave my information out after you asked. Why'd you even ask? Right. Because you clearly weren't actually asking Mm -mm. for my permission because you didn't get it and you didn't care. Not wrong, not wrong. Thank you. (sighs) Okay. Well, now it is time for our But Are You Wrong segment. And this is where we read the email submissions from all of you and we let you know if we think that you are wrong. And like I said at the beginning, send it on over to buttamywrongpod at gmail.com. Got to keep it under 300 words. Just copy paste it into a word count. Yeah. I feel like people don't know that they can do this. On Google. <laughs> if you're sending it straight from your phone, this is where I'm sending, I'm seeing a lot of it. When people are sending it through email from their phone, download the Google Drive app, type in the Google Docs, and then go up and look at word count. Click on that and you can see how many words. You can also click on it to like always show the word count and you can see as you're typing what the word count is. Please do that and that will save you time and us time. Mm -hmm. You can even just Google word count and then go to any of those websites, copy and paste what you're going to say in there and we'll tell you how many words it is. Because we're not going to cut, we're not going to summarize these things. So yeah, when you are... Sending the submissions, we ask for as much information and detail as possible because it helps us accurately say if we, you know, we might we might miscast you, mm-hmm. the hero or the villain, depending on the information that you give us. So I guess I'll kick it off. Hi, Eminem. Names have been changed. Me, 28, she, her. My fiance, Dave, 29, he, him. My brother, Jordan, 24, he, him. And my sister-in-law, Bella, 24, she, her. Dave and I wanted a September wedding, but our dream venue only does October through May. As a compromise, we want to do the first weekend of October. 
Where we live, October gets twice as much rain as September does, so pushing it further into month is not ideal. We would rather change venues. If we go ahead with the first weekend of October, this would be on Bella's 27th birthday. When Jordan and Bella got engaged, we found out through a Facebook post and had no formal roles in their wedding. We were not part of the wedding planning. Jordan and Bella's wedding planning was chaotic, and the actual wedding day was also chaotic. As we expected, we got called to do a ton of running around the morning of to help them out, which we did because we loved them but had moments of annoyance with them and generally felt left out of their wedding. I feel like the grown-up thing to do is ask them about the date, but I really worry that they will make a fuss no matter how nicely I try to explain the situation. And then I would be stuck either going against their wishes by booking the date or changing my date because they are being fussy. But on the other hand, if I just book it and I don't say anything and then play dumb, when they get to save the date, it just feels wrong and childish on my part. But this also feels on par with how they acted during their wedding planning. I, I, I think you would be wrong if you booked it on her birthday without asking because I think that like the reasoning is... When you're saying like, oh, this feels like on par with what they did, that is very like tit for tat. And like, you were upset about that, but you also can't control, you can control your response with how they treated you with their wedding, but you can't control how like they react. So like, you might see it as like a, okay, now we're even thing, but that's not up to you to kind of decide. Right. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know what the rainy season is and how long it lasts that like, you couldn't just... Like, what's more important to you, the venue or the the month that you're getting married? Because if you love that venue, if it's rainy in October, could you wait until May? Like, could like does it need to be in the fall? Like, can it be? I mean, November. Yeah, like, can it be pushed a little bit farther? Does that like what matters more to you? Like the season, the venue, or what? Because like, if it's September, like then pick a different venue, and it just feels like. If it rains on your wedding day and like it's an absolute mess because it is like the first weekend of October and October is like more rainy than some September and like October isn't September, like you're still getting married after the month you wanted to. I just feel like there's a chance that a lot of things cannot go how you want them to. And one of those is including the reaction of your sister-in-law and your brother. So I think it's rude, like especially because it just feels like you don't care about her birthday or you don't know what her birthday is like. If you ask, I also think that it's important that it's not an empty gesture of you asking and then you just go ahead with it anyway. Yeah, because this is setting up anyway for years to come that your anniversary is always going to be on her birthday. So it feels like it's not just going to be this is going to be like the wedding day thing. This is going to be every year. It's going to be something that comes up. It feels like that you're trying to justify you doing this because of how they treated you during their wedding, Mm -hmm. which I don't think is fair at all. Maybe they didn't foresee that things were going to get as chaotic. Maybe they tried to cut down costs for everything by not having you guys be part of their wedding. There might have been other reasons that maybe just because you were blindsided, you you felt blindsided at the time, but there were things that they didn't know were going to happen. So... I would talk to them. I think it's wrong to play dumb and pretend like you don't know what's going on when you clearly do and you already think it's going to be an issue. Have a conversation with them. So, yes, I do think you'd be wrong if you just went ahead and did it. Unpopular opinion. I also think if you decide to have like a big wedding or like a wedding wedding where it's not just eloping and about you two, the wedding is mostly the wedding's about the other people who are attending and like you can't really say like, fuck it, it's about us unless it is only about you two and you're going to a courthouse or you're eloping and it's just you two. Like Mm -hmm. it can't by nature of like an event and that people have to pay to attend or like whatever it is. But like when you include other people, you have 
you you can't just include them in like as like a ceremonial like gesture like it has to be like catered to that and yeah I also can't imagine you would have been happy if the exact same wedding situation that your sister-in-law had also happened to fall on your birthday like Mm -hmm. I just don't think you would have been happy with that and like I feel like the only reason why you're toying with this idea like you said is because you feel slighted by how they behaved for their wedding and you feel kind of hurt and uh, yeah I just think it's one day that I don't know that you will think is worth it to go through all of this shit for potentially years to come. Mm -hmm. Because again, it's not like your anniversary happened, like the date that you met happened to be the date that is her birthday. And like, it's your perfect venue. It's like never going to rain that time of year. And it's like on the day that you met and like the location is exactly where you met. Do you know what I mean? It's not this like serendipitous Mm -hmm. thing that like, it feels like you're already settling (laughs) for like, the timing of it all. So like, why then settle for her birthday? Right. If I was her, I'd be like, what? Like, just pick a different day or a different venue. Like, if you can't wait a week to get married and like, because you're just saying it's going to rain if I do it a week later, like, just pick a different venue then. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. So I do think you are wrong. My condolences. <laughs> Next one. Hey, Megan and Melissa, love the podcast. I have an issue. Please let me know if I'm wrong. I, 24 female, she, her, have been talking to male, 28, he, him, for two months now. We text, phone call, FaceTime often. I'm in Texas. He's in New York. We would consider each other friends right now and are getting to know each other. We do like where things are, but ask a lot of relationship-like questions. He told me when we started talking that he likes snakes and spiders. I told him I hate them and I'm seriously arachnophobic. He understood and said, hypothetically down the line, he wants a place outside of his home when he has more money and moves where he could take care of them if he ever got them, which made me feel better. Well, today he went to an expo and bought five huge tarantulas. I asked him where they are staying, and he said with him, I got so mad, I cried. We aren't even dating yet. I spiraled to, I don't want to be around them spiders. I am so scared. What am I going to do if this goes further? I guess I have to stop liking him now. Everyone can find love except for me. I'm a cancer. He's a Virgo. The only thing I told him was happy for you, but please never show them to me. He understood. I haven't talked to him for the rest of the day. I hate this because I'm starting to like him, but I am terrified of spiders and snakes. I don't know if I could ever live with him. Am I overreacting or no? And what should I do, especially if things move further down the line? Thanks in advance. I think you are overreacting. You guys aren't even dating. You don't even live in the same state. One of you lives in New York. One lives in Texas. You have no labels on your your relationship. I don't think that he's thinking about you living with him at all. And so he did not factor you into what this, like him getting these spider, these, what were they? Tarantulas. Tarantulas. He didn't factor you into this because he doesn't, you guys aren't even dating. He doesn't see you living with him. Maybe, yes, down the line, if you guys were actually dating and spending time with each other, in the same state and you were serious about each other he'd be like okay i'll move the spiders outside the home but at this point i think you're overreacting i don't disagree with that 
I do think that what this has kind of brought to light is that like you might see this as something a bit more serious than he does because like you are envisioning moving there and like you are like you're envisioning all this stuff without having those conversations and that usually means that like you know you have like strong feelings for him I mean I'm just gonna level with you I think you're ta- talking to for two months with someone who like have you ever met in person we would consider each other friends but we're getting to know each other like it seems like you were you really like him and like you're kind of doing that like <laughs> maladaptive daydreaming where like you're just like too like you know mashing your own life and um that is totally valid and i think like we do that a lot but this reaction is a reaction of someone who like clearly is kind of very into this person and envisioning your life with him and so like you either need to be like make a plan to like meet up and like actually date or don't do yourself don't like put yourself through this like emotional turmoil by like having a talking relationship with someone who you know that it's never going to get to a relationship because there's like this big barrier there that is like these fucking spiders and snakes and all of that shit but also physically they're nowhere near each other that's what I mean. That it's just like of all of the things to like, I am all for having like a fun texting buddy for someone to like flirt with or whatever. But like, I just feel like this one just struck out. Like, I feel like this one is just not it because if you are actually like wanting to eventually like date this person and like move there or whatever, like then to have them not be like a spider collector and or even if it's someone you have no intention of meeting and like you don't want to date them or whatever, I think that your fear of spiders is too great to even just like talk about like talk with someone with no intention of meeting who is like very into spiders and that's okay like but I just think that like this is he's probably like what what is happening like you just it's a lot for the current situation where you're at with like the lack of relationship but yeah I think you like him like I think that you're picturing like if you're picturing moving there have you had that conversation with him but yeah I I don't know. I'm just, I don't love the, we're texting and talking and FaceTiming for two months and we're just friends, but we're seeing where it goes. I just don't trust people enough for that. I'm like, so are you sleeping with other people? Is he sleeping with other people? Like, would that make you upset? Like, what is happening? How did you meet? Why are you forming a friendship over text message? You know? You're also half a country away from each other. Yeah. What's the point? What's the end goal? Mm -hmm. Like, are you going to move to him? Is he going to move to you? Yeah. There just doesn't seem like a lot of intention behind this. Yep. I feel like this is a waste of your time. Unless you just want a friend. But I don't think you can be friends with somebody who collects tarantulas. <laughs> you're because you're spiraling, which is I yeah, I t- totally. All right. Let's take a break. Woo! <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. 
Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Today's episode is brought to you by a sponsor we love, 310 Nutrition. 310 Nutrition is helping us, you, our listeners, in the new year with protein and superfood rich products with so many options and flavors for your personal preferences. They're adding new products all of the time and I just got my... I mean, I didn't just get my package. I just got a, 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 a secondary of my package. And I, as someone who needs electrolytes to function there, it's like elixir from the gods. I cannot sing their praises enough, specifically the cucumber flavor of this electrolyte mix is delicious. Like it's, it's so good. I've even like had it on like ice and been like i'm drinking like a drink drink like you can throw a little straw in there and and it's it's delicious it's so good and i just i love they're filled with so many great ingredients that really help if you're like me and you like you know medically need some electrolytes but also if you're working out if you're sweating hot summer day you're going to an amusement park you're on your feet for a long period of time all of that um most of us are not getting the electrolytes we need yeah i drink mine specifically when i am working out it's my beverage while I'm working out. I just take one stick of the hydrate, mix it in with my bottle of water. 16 ounces of water can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water if you got that hydrate in there. They also have the all-in-one shakes, which I absolutely love. I'm running low, so I got to get some more. But um, I love the chocolate bliss the vanilla cream the caramel sundae i have all three of those flavors sometimes i mix and match them sometimes i'll use it when i'm baking or i'll just drink it straight and it is they're so good they have a triplex protein blend plant-based proteins that include pea brown rice and pumpkin that makes it so delicious you can get fiber and superfood blends with more than 25 organic fibers and superfoods blended into one easy, delicious shake. And they also have 310's four shake flavor starter kit, which lets you sample all the flavors for only $9. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with Don't Blame Me and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and super easy to put together an order, or you can start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code Blame Me right now for 50% off up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code blame me. In our live stream, our listeners are always recommending and talking about books. So we're so excited about book of the month because this is something that our listeners are going to love. This is a brand that I've been familiar with for a, a long time. I like love watching people talk about it. I love seeing what books people are reading and like what books they have available and I, I, I love I love everything about it. So I'm so excited uh, for someone who like, <laughs> you know, the ease of getting into a book, a lot of it can feel like really daunting. So to have like a service where it's like you're going to get like high quality hardcover books, which that's my preferred way to read at incredible prices, but also curated. So it's like amazing, cool, wonderful, great. This is it's kind of like a a straight shot into that and something that book of the month 
you can do over and over and over again. And one of the great things about it is the longer you are part of the program, the cheaper the books get. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and promote the work of emerging authors. One of the amazing things about Book of the Month is that every aspect of Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. First of all, the books come in a bright blue box, which is very pretty. Me and Megan were just talking about them. There's also a fun app to pick your books and track reading progress. And as well, there are reading challenges and rewards. And Book of the Month makes it really easy to decide what book to read next, which for me is like the biggest hurdle. I love when other people make choices for me, especially when they're good choices. And I'm like, cool, I can trust you. So each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and they pick some of the best new books for you to choose from. All of the books are so good. You can't go wrong. And I mean that wholeheartedly. When we were picking like our selects for this, I was like, this I like all of them this is hard and I literally coordinated with Melissa and I was like okay so these are like my top ones I'm assuming they will be yours so don't pick the same one as me so then we can swap afterwards and that's what we did so we got the ministry of time by Killian Bradley and we also received the return of Ellie Black by Emiko Jean the ministry of time is like people are calling it like if you're a fan of Outlander and like spy novels or time traveling books it's quoted from town and country saying it's really innovative fun storytelling the ministry of time is definitely for you and listed as 45 of the must-read books for spring 2024 and then harper's bazaar also said part time travel romance part spy thriller and 100 percent multifaceted joyride <gasps> when i tell you that i was like sold we're also excited about the return of ellie black and this one is about a missing girl who returns but that isn't the end of the story it's only the beginning. We both like a, a, a detective book. This one is uh, 20 years since Detective Chelsea Calhoun's sister vanishes. Ever since, Chelsea has been searching for signs for closure for other missing girls. But happy endings are rare in Chelsea's line of work, which that sounds so intriguing. And I'm looking forward to reading this novel so much. Can't wait. And we're so excited to usher in this new sponsor. And we know y'all are already going to love this. Plus, we've been recommended this so many times. Mm -hmm. So I, I we, we've already got fans in you. Try the service yourself at bookofthemonth.com. And you can get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That is your first book, $5 at bookofthemonth.com using code PEDALS. back from it's okay we can say it together it's fine we're back from our break and we're gonna get into the rest of uh your submissions and the episode okay hi megan and melissa i am a huge fan of both podcasts getting right into it i'm 25 and my boyfriend is 24 we've been dating for about a year he is so kind and supportive and we treat each other so well and we've even talked about eventually getting married he is super close to his family which i love but i mean really close he lives at home while saving for medical school when he sleeps over at my place, his mom will call him just to check in and say she hasn't seen him in days when it's only been over 12 hours. I think she's awesome and she loves me, but this always seems kind of odd and annoying. But the worst is his sister. She's a very sweet 15-year-old, 10 years younger than my boyfriend, but acts much younger, as in she will sometimes want to hold his hand at family events. They're very close, and, and he's even said that he wants her to be his best man at his wedding. That's sweet. She'll call when we're hanging out just to chat with him and tell him she misses him, and sometimes she gets upset that he's coming over to my place instead of staying home. He's frequently late or has to change plans because he's promised her he would do something with her. 
Anytime I broach the subject, he gets super defensive. Am I an asshole for thinking for their family dynamic is annoying and a little weird? Or do I just need to get over it? I think you're an asshole. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that deeming a 15-year-old is like acting younger than their age is gross. And I think it's also like arbitrary and has this like concept of like girls need to grow up fast and like be mature or whatever. And it's also like it has like a it's a twinge of like you know, sexism and expected ideas of girls and also like a tinge potentially ableist if she's just happens to be, you know, a little bit more, a, a little have a little bit of a younger spirit and like you don't know what that's related to and your own concept of like what a 15-year-old is like. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you, you can't, everyone's like very different and like develops at different rates. And I also think in general, when people tend to be around like family, you can like, you can fall into those like big brother, little brother kind of things. It's like when kids go home for like, I don't know, go home for Christmas. Like they, they kind of adapt back to like their teenage selves. Yeah. Like my sisters expect me when we go out to eat to pay for them (laughs) Yeah, because I'm older. Yeah. So if I was your boyfriend, I would be, I would also be like incredibly defensive. My niece, who's the same age, calls me at least once a day, she says to check on me, but I know it's because she like wants to talk about things, but it's, that's her way of saying, you know, I need to talk to somebody, but she calls me pretty much every day to see how I'm doing and talking about things that are going on in her life. And when I'm in Arkansas, then she's very like, wants to hang out with me every moment of the day. So I don't think there's anything wrong with this. I think that this is totally normal behavior and I think it's odd that you're jealous of his sister in this especially a teenage girl in this context and you saying that he's like late for things because he's promised her something that means that he had plans with her first and it just ran over and I think you should just be more flexible and adaptable to that. Yeah, I don't think you like how close he is with his family. I would also say that like I don't know if you want kids but if you do like, would you, how would you feel if your son's girlfriend was saying this about like your son and daughter's relationship together? Mm-hmm. Like, it just feels odd. And I think when you're living at home and you're like saving money and all that, like, there are expectations that come with that. And like, yeah, calling in and checking in, if he doesn't have an issue with it, then that's on you. And like, you don't need to point out an issue that he doesn't have that's there. Like, He's a grown up. If he has a problem with all of this, like it's his family. And unless it's a hap- unless like they're being horrible to you, like you're not really involved in it. And then you are policing his relationship with his family, which like is a probably not your intention, but is also a massive red flag for like potential future like alienation and abuse is like, you know, cutting people off from their family or implying that like you know, their family really, their family dynamics are wrong or weird or trying to take that away. And like, if you want to end up with this person, that all that is going to do is make his 15 year old sister and his mom hate you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. And you also didn't mention if there is a second parent in the picture. You really specifically mentioned both mom and the sister. So if there is a dad there, you know, I, I would wonder why you specifically have issues with like the women and or if they are, again, if there is a dad there, it seems like they are heavily relying on your boyfriend as 
a like male figure in the house. So that might also mean that there's some history there. And again, if, if it's a single parent household, yeah, like he sounds like a really like all this is done is I'm like, yeah, you seem like you found a really great guy mm-hmm. and don't don't mess this up. Yeah. In that sense of like. That would be a red flag to me if someone said that. I don't have that, but like if I did, <laughs> you know? Yep. To Melissa and Megan. Since the situation happened, I've been dying to write in. My boyfriend's parents live across the country. And now that the pandemic restrictions are being lifted, they decided to come for a trip in our area at a ski resort. They really wanted to spend time with us, so they paid for our whole trip to see them. His parents have these rich friends who gain all their wealth from flipping houses in our city, which is also going through a major housing crisis. And they invited us over to celebrate a big sale they had made recently. My boyfriend and I are being impacted by this housing crisis. And I told him I would rather not attend this dinner because it feels so wrong to celebrate people who are getting rich while we can barely afford rent because of it. I'm very outspoken, so I would probably question them on their unethical practices. And I purposely gave him this out of me not going so there would be no judgment from his parents. He really wanted me to go anyways because his parents would think it's weird if I didn't. I understood his position and told him I could not promise I would act fake and civil, but I would try my best. Obviously, I ended up commenting on a few things, but I was gracious and polite the whole time. His parents took him aside the next day and asked him why I was being so rude, and now he is upset at me for starting something between them. Am I wrong for acting the way I did, even though I gave my boyfriend a clear out to avoid the situation? No, you're not wrong. You morally did not feel obligated to go to this thing. You warned him that if you went, (laughs) then you would make your thoughts on the situation clear, and you did. So... You know, you you told him your your boundaries. You let him know what would happen. You were still polite, but not polite enough for him or his parents. And so now they're mad. But I don't think you're wrong. Who cares? I don't think you're wrong either. I think that like, yeah, there are certain times where like we have to we're in situations we don't want to be in. And like, obviously, you don't want to make situations harder for like other people. But I also think of like the times that I've been in those things. I'm we're all in it together. Like if you haven't had this conversation with his parents, like if this is your boyfriend, just re- like retelling that information and stuff, like you might also have fundamental moral differences between his parent, like with his parents. And like, then that is something like to address. But like, I think this probably should have been a conversation with all of them because right now what I'm sensing is maybe your boyfriend uh, was also kind of trying to protect his parents in this situation that they might be not morally aligned with you on this. And then also, is he morally aligned with you on this? Because it kind of feels like you're the odd one out. And I wouldn't feel comfortable in that situation. Like the only time I'm comfortable doing these things that I don't want to do, it's because I know the second we get in the car, we're all on the same page. Or I know that like when we make those comments, like they're for each other to be like, oh my God, okay. Or like, we'll say that and we're all, we can all make those like the whole thing. Everyone can make those like little comments together and we're all on the same team and we're all on that, but it's not 
you know, just you versus this. Like, it's just, I think his parents are probably like that. Yeah, but I also think that since he was, he thought that his parents would be mad if she didn't go, I think it was his responsibility to tell them ahead of time. Oh, 100%. And also, like, I think he's posing this as the, as it's like, oh, these are my my parents' friends. Like, it's them. But I'm like, I don't think that you're probably mm-hmm. being honest with yourself that your parents also probably align morally with these people. And so instead of addressing that there are some extreme moral differences between your girlfriend and your parents, you're being like, oh, my girlfriend is being difficult because of my parents' friends. And now it's blah, blah, like, no, they they had a right. To, their parents also had a right to know if this was going to be how you were going to behave. And that was his responsibility to tell them. This just makes me not trust your boyfriend, yeah. like, to be fair. And I wonder how he aligns with that stuff. Yeah. You know? I think, like, he might be, like, because he's affected by it, he's a little, like, on the same page, but not completely. Like, he's, like, half on the page with you, but because he's probably benefiting from it too. Yes. He seems, sees it more like at this moment, I can't think of a better example and it's probably not what this is, but how a lot of people that vote for Republican don't realize that they're voting for things that don't benefit them. Yeah. Because they see how it could be down the line of what they one step away from being a millionaire. And they think that this is something that's obtainable. So they see it more as a goal and something to, you know, aspire to as opposed to fighting the system. Yeah. And I think in general, people who have a close proxy to the ultra wealthy and to that system, not all, but a lot of the time, the animosity towards that usually comes not from like morals, but kind of comes from jealousy. And that is something that like is not permanent. And like lots of people can unpack that and like realize that like, oh shit, I'm being jealous of something that's not like ethically or morally sound. But like when I grow up near it and I see all of this stuff, like I really, I really want that because like that's aspirational. Mm -hmm. And then people who have never benefited from it by proxy, like can see it for more of like black and white of like good and bad. But yeah, I think this is probably a time to have like a conversation with your boyfriend about this yeah i don't know the whole thing is just giving me like spooky ooky rich vibes like you're at a ski resort and they paid like i don't like this but my main thing is like why do his parents care so much about you going to a party for their friends that's what i mean like this whole thing just gives me like old money mm-hmm. kind of like, like oh we're like visiting you and like we're going to a ski resort for a week and you're gonna stay here and like now we have this dinner with our friend like, it's just very much like perform it like ha 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 mm-hmm. and that to me i'm like do you know enough about like his family and like their social circle that is this like a life that you want to have is this where he pictures his kids do you know what i mean like when yeah. you look at it as like a bigger picture thing that like this one incident i don't think has really much to do with anyone besides you and your boyfriend and like what your expectations are. Yeah. I mean, I, my family knows my parents will be like, are you going to be an asshole about this thing? And I'll be like, and they already know, like they, they're asking, but they already know the answer. And I was like, yeah. And they'd be like, okay, fine. Don't come, (laughs) you know, like they know what my boundaries and limits are. So (laughs) whatever. Yeah, no. And I think that like, Unless your partner is like 
like they're wanting to cut their family off. If you can't be yourself and like express your honest like feelings and opinions around your partner's family, that that to me is like, okay, then you might want to recognize that you might not actually align with your partner as on mm-hmm. as much as you think that you you do. I've I've also I will say I've been in stuff, I've said stuff, and like everybody knew I was gonna say something. Uh-huh. And I did. I've also gotten like little kicks under the table. Mm-hmm. And I've just been like, I said it. I'm not, I I don't care. No. You can you can nudge me till I'm black and blue. I'm gonna keep saying it. Which is very it probably happened because you bruise easily. Oh yeah, no, without a doubt. <laughs> like, just one little tiny kick, probably. Yeah. Not did sorry. <laughs> oh, I get pinched. Oh, I can't. I hate that. Okay. Now it's time for But Are They Wrong, a.k.a. Rachel of the Week, where we pick someone in pop culture or just in the zeitgeist that we feel like has been the villain this week. So who you got? So mine was something that someone actually tagged me in. Thank you. A couple people did. I don't know. I don't have their usernames on hand. But there's a movie being made, adapted from the book, Where the Crawdad Sings, So I've heard of this book, but I didn't really know anything about it. So it's a kind of book that like, I don't know, you like see it at like the bookstores and it's like, oh, there's a little gold thing, like every book choice and blah, blah, blah. So like, I just know of the book and I've known like, oh, people like that book. I should eventually read that book, but I know nothing about like what it's about. And so I guess they're doing a movie adaptation of the book. And not only is the book problematic, but the author is like a level of uh, I don't even know if you can call it problematic other than alleged murder. Like, this isn't, like, some uncovered tweets. Like, this is some, like, next-level, like, evil, evil fucking shit. And I had no idea about this book, and I probably could have read the book just purely based on, like, people saying, like, oh, this book is great, or, like, hearing about this book alone and doing that. But it is now being adapted into a movie. So the people who are adapting it into a movie... They are not just hearing about the book word of mouth and they have to do the Google searches. They have to like meet with people. Like you have to do your due diligence with this. And when I tell you it is hard to avoid the mass documentation of how problematic the author and the book is, it's not an oversight. Like it can be an oversight for a consumer who's heard a friend recommended a book and then you just pick it up at the library, which again, I think we should all, and I've learned now, like I'll be doing our due diligence before we, I do it before I like support something publicly. Like I will look into that kind of stuff. But the ultimate thing of supporting something publicly is making a movie about it. Mm -hmm. And so the book is a New York Times bestselling author, blah, blah, blah. And the author is Delia Owens and her former husband, Mark. They are wanted for questioning over the murder of an unidentified man in Zambia and a previously called for human human population control in Africa. So this is like a well-documented like article prior to this book being released So in 2010, almost a decade before the book's release, The New Yorker published a lengthy article written by Jeffrey Goldberg called The Hunted, which details Delia's time in Africa alongside her then-husband and his son. And the piece asked the question, did American conservationists in in Africa go too far as it explores the family's involvement in the death of an unidentified victim believed to have been, been a potential poacher? They've been wanted for this since this was aired in 1995. 
And there's also a Turning Point episode, and they were on The Tonight Show. So in one scene, the production company accompanies a patrol at the Owens Conservation, and a gun is fired at a trespasser. The scout who fired the shot has his face electronically concealed, and three more shots are heard off-screen as the man they shot dies. Delia's husband, Mark, appears to be dismissive of the death in an interview later in the documentary, saying, it's the reality, the messy reality, I'm afraid. She responds, it's very messy. It almost gives conservation a very ugly name, but that's the reality. It's ugly, why? It's ugly because of the elephants. They haven't done anything wrong. It's people who make it ugly. It's a very dirty game. It's a measure of the desperation in the situation. The victim's identity was never revealed, nor was it ever confirmed that he would have been a poacher or a trespasser. So it is like alleged that they think that it is her ex-son-in-law, her Mm -hmm. ex-husband's son who shot it and... Her ex-husband has also been accused of attempting to cover it all up. And there's just a absolute fuck ton of more shit that they have been accused of for all of this. And then we move on to their absolutely archaic ideas about Africans. So one critic claimed, allegedly claimed their mindset was, nice continent, pity about the Africans. They called for human population control across all of that. So she wrote the book Where the Crawdad Sings. And so I, again, knew nothing about this book. And someone had pointed out, critics have pointed out since the book came out, how it uh, has a lot of parallels between that story and the fictional one that she wrote. So trigger warning, this is um, some discussion and spoilers of the book ahead. I mean, trigger warning for talking about sexual abuse and um, spoilers for the book. But it's about a girl who lives in North Carolina, and she prefers to be with animals instead of people, spends her time in the wilderness. And then a a local football football player is murdered, and then she's the suspect. But the big twist reveals that she did kill him, but it was only because he tried to assault her, seemingly offering a moral justification for a heinous crime. Which in itself, not, I mean, we've got promising young woman, Mm -hmm. we have all of that. But when you parallel it with her response to someone who she was once married to or was once the stepmom of murdering a poacher and justifying it as like a harsh reality, like murder as being a harsh reality of of the poaching game that they partook in, it feels, yeah, again, like a moral justification just in a way that is actually much more of a moral justification. Mm -hmm. Like those are not two of the same things. The author who wrote the New York piece said, I got a copy of Crawdads and I have to say, I found it strange and uncomfortable to be reading the story of a Southern loner, a noble naturalist who gets away with what is described as a righteously motivated murder in the remote world. And then in addition to all of that, the black characters in the book, Jumpin' and Mabel are accused of being racist stereotypes with one critic noting that they are the kind of comforting, they are the kind that are comforting to white people but may prove disconcerting for African-Americans. AKA magical Negro is the term. In the book? That's just what... It's kind of, I think it was coined by Spike Lee, but when you have Black people that are there just to facilitate white people and make them feel better about themselves, it's called magical Negro. That's the that term. Ma- yes. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. So Reese Witherspoon is adapting this, and Taylor Swift has a song on the soundtrack. And both of them have been very vocal about how they are massive fans of the book. And I just am upset that... There has, there's like never been any excuse for me as a white woman and fellow white women to be ignorant, but it just feels like there's never been any excuse. 
And right now, especially, mm-hmm. there's no hiding behind any of it. There's no justification, it feels, and always has been. But I think this is one of the most, like, blatantly, like, this is, like, feels very overtly offensive and violent. Like, this just feels like a big fuck you and, like, just gross and so so, so, so fucking avoidable. Like, so avoidable. Like, so avoidable to, again, the point you would have to go out of your fucking way to not read or see any of this stuff. And I think that the argument people are doing of, like, separating the art from the artist and, like, these people, like, they don't know, blah, blah, blah. There's no way that they didn't know. There's no way they didn't know. And if they didn't know, then that means that they don't do their due diligence when they're researching their project. And that means they actually don't really give a shit about the projects. They're attaching themselves to or doing that and like then it means that other people are doing all of the hard work for them which I don't you know that's also that's not a compliment then Mm -hmm. you're saying that they're not actually doing any of the work but then it's also saying that all the people that they surround themselves with and hire on their team are people who look exactly like them have the same viewpoints as them or even worse are telling them these things and then they're choosing to ignore it or they are not fostering a work environment where people feel comfortable sharing these things with them. It's just, it's just hard. And like, it's, it's one of those things that like, I hate seeing like specifically Taylor Swift fans and Reese Witherspoon fans, but Taylor Swift fans, that's where more I, I see on like my for you page justifying is separating the art from the artist when, you know, you're only doing that because it's her. You're not doing that for Casey Affleck. You're not doing it's You're separating her art from the artist because you like her art. Mm-hmm. And that is just doing everybody a disservice. And I just wish we didn't make celebrities, again, as a Swifty, as someone in the fandom, I wish we didn't make these people so um, untouchable and free from criticism because all you're doing is enabling and hindering them from like growing and learning. And I just think that like that is their responsibility to do. But just again, justifying and rationalizing all of this kind of shit is just like, it's so offensive for so many people, but it's also like so fucking offensive for like that man's family. And just like this shit that like you can't catch a break of like, this woman is now, she's blowing up. She had a New York, like, wasn't that enough that she had a New York Times bestselling fucking book and, like, her and her husband got away with, like, murdering someone and, like, that family never got to have justice or whatever semblance of justice they could have and now it's going to be made, like, now this is being made into a movie and it's just, like, it just feels like a circle jerk of white women and ignoring all of the actual problematic shit of it and it's just, it's embarrassing and that's why there's, like, a fucking vast majority of us who voted for Trump because, like, there's this, we we hide behind feminism and like being like, I've been oppressed as a woman and that only factors in in select instances. And that's like the only time that we are not privileged is in a group of men. But even in that room, we're only not privileged if we're the only women there. We're the, it's only white women and only white men. Like, that's it. But like any other room, like you, we have privilege and it's just, I just hate this. It just makes me like, uh, it just makes me upset, you know? Yeah. Didn't they sell the company like a couple, like mm-hmm. last year maybe? But she's still the head of it, yeah. And she's a very heavily involved like person. Mm-hmm. And I just think that like people talk about like inclusivity and diversity as like, not as a box you need to check, but as like a hill you need to climb. And as if it's like really hard and like that, like it would be like, I don't know. When I think of anyone who has like a team and it's just like all people who look exactly like them, mm-hmm. like that's also, that's a conscious choice. Like yeah. your your life is only as like, tunnel vision of people who look like you because that's what you do like it's not happening to you do what I mean like yeah that's what I was trying to see who but it seems like they have it so you can't search for who actually works there I'm looking on LinkedIn yeah 
and you can't see who actually works there and they don't have who's works there on their website either. It's just disappointing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I really hope that this is like a, a learning moment for them and I hope that it's addressed. And yeah, I will also say that I saw a lot of people who are like, using the defense of being like, why are we getting more mad at like Reese Witherspoon and like Taylor Swift than we are of like the actors who are in it? There is a huge difference between someone who is seeking out a book and optioning it, which is hard and really fucking expensive to do. It's a very like competitive market and someone who is getting cast and getting a job on that. Like it, it just, it is different and it's not necessarily that means that they are completely absolved of fault. But, you know, if they're lucky enough and privileged enough that they have financially can turn down a role, I think that's great to do. And I do it all the time for auditions that are problematic, like with a hundred percent. But there are sometimes when, yeah, you you audition mm. for things that you don't you don't necessarily align with because you, you need the money. You need the money. And but the people who are producing and doing all of this stuff they are making so much more money than the actors in this, you know? Mm-hmm. It pisses me off. And also just the discourse of everyone defending it pisses me off. Like you can love Taylor Swift, you can love Reese Witherspoon and just be like, this was an L. I really hope that this changes. And I can't believe that fucking woman. <sighs> All right. So we're recording this on March 29th, two days after what has now been coined in quotations, the slap, like the failed TV show from a few years ago. <laughs> I was just saying, I was like, someone needs to pay to get that billboard back, but they just do the photos and it's the entire where it's like all of those people just standing mm-hmm. there, but it's just all Will Smith and Chris Robin. <laughs> I would die. And so I'm not picking either of them because this is just a more nuanced conversation than that should be had, especially since we vote on these things. And I just don't, just doesn't sit right for me with our majority white audience to be voting on this. No, we'd be blocking so many people. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, so I'm going to pick Judd Apatow, who is someone who I don't particularly like most of his films because he punches down on women a lot and makes fun of his own wife a lot in his films or just women in general. But I respected the work that he did to get to where he is and how he usually works with the same people and has been responsible for helping start a lot of people's careers. Mm -hmm. So I've read several of his books and um, I've taken a writing class that he's had. This is someone where, like I said, I don't like most of his films, but I respect him as a professional. (sighs) And he just, he said problematic things before and he just continues to disappoint. So he went off on a series of tweets after the slap and they've now been deleted. But of course it's the internet and people are screenshotting because they knew it was going to get deleted. Mm -hmm. So the first tweet he said was alert at Amy Schumer. Do not go to the vanity fair party. Will Smith wants to talk to you about the monologue. Chris, I think you should take him for all his King Richard. I mean, hitch money. So he's like saying that, he didn't make any money off King Richard mm-hmm. saying to come after him for hitch money. Everyone needs to stop bringing Venus and Serena into the ship. Yes, they do. <laughs> also, like, why is he, I guess, because Amy Schumer was 
the white comedian that was there. He didn't say he didn't at Wanda Sykes, mm-hmm. who's also a comedian. I'll give Regina a pass from being included in that since she's not really a comedian. She's more of an actor. And then his next tweet, he could have killed him. That's pure out of control rage and violence. They've heard a million jokes about them in the last three decades. They are not freshmen in the world of Hollywood and comedy. He lost his mind. This is not the first time that Chris Rock has said something about Jada. He said things before. He's talked bad about her for boycotting the Oscars in the past when, I mean, they were kind of on the forefront of Oscars so white. So he's talked bad to her about her about that. Also, I just can't see myself defending a man that told Louis C.K. that it was okay for him to use the N-word and allowed him to use the N-word and called him the N-word. Also, a man that made a documentary about Black women and their hair and has profited from that. Also, a slap. I'm not saying that, like... (laughs) Dude. Dude. I mean, like, Will Smith has trained to be a boxer when he was being Muhammad Ali. So like he could have whipped the shit out of him if he wanted to, but he slapped him against the face. So like there is no way that he was going he was not going to kill him. (laughs) There is no yes he was wrong and I'm not saying that he should have slapped him, but he if he wanted to punch him in the face he would have. This is also a man who in his book that he wrote It's in the first chapter, Will Smith's book. He talks about how when he was growing up, one of his biggest regrets was his his father was abusive and he never stood up to his dad when his dad was abusing his mom. And he talks about like one of his biggest regrets was not being there and standing up for his mom. And yes, people have been making millions of jokes about them for years. A lot of uncalled for jokes. And so he got tired of it. (laughs) And I'm not saying it's okay, but he was tired of it. And this, again, Chris Rock is someone who has been making a lot of these jokes about their families. Also, Chris Rock has made a joke that sometimes people need to get their asses kicked. So he said himself, nobody is above that, including me. Yes. Also, so yes, yes to all of that. Mm -hmm. Anyone who didn't watch it, like, I'm sorry, you see, as soon as Mats and I saw that, I was like, is that real? Which was what everyone's narrative was. And then when we saw the extended one, uh, Mats was like, oh my God, over this? I go, there's history Mm -hmm. in this yelling and their fate. Like, there's something. There is long time contention. Like, this is a boiling point, clearly and obviously. And you can just tell by how they're talking that this is, they're not saying Like, he's repeating the same words. Mm -hmm. It's like an acting exercise where it's Mm -hmm. like, what are your intentions behind that? You know that there's years of shit behind all of that. So the hypotheticals have actually been killing me. So, you know, like like the slap would have killed you. Ready? Mm -hmm. Just a reminder that if Will Smith had slapped Betty White for a joke she made, however insensitive, she easily could have fallen backward, cracked her skull, and died of a brain bleed. Same with Bob Saget, obviously. Violence is never okay. And then I'm going to read you my other, the one that really fucking, I was dying. You would not be laughing if Will Smith slapped Peppa Pig and then chopped her into tiny bits, added three-fourths of a cup of minced onions, a dash of paprika, and just a sprinkle of gouda, then cooked her for breakfast on a warm Sunday morning in Delaware. Would you? <laughs> like, it is just like, 
Uh, I mean, here's the thing. I think that like a lot of people are having like very, um, this op-ed on uh, Teen Vogue wrote about this. So I'll, we'll link it and I'll also read this, but it's an op-ed. Will Smith isn't your abusive daddy or ex-boyfriend and Chris Rock is not an abuse survivor claiming to be triggered by a single slap. That there's a lot of people who are comparing this like domestic violence and all of this kind of stuff that is just, is not a situation. Like you have two fully grown adult men who got in a fight and got physical. And my belief system, my belief system is, Jada, were you embarrassed? Did that give you the ick? Are you happy? Are you good? Like, that's literally all, it, like, truly all it is. I'm like, is that what you, is that? Because here's the thing. Would, are there instances where if Moss did that, I would be, like, completely upset with him and, like, so icked and be like, I hate you. Why would you do that? Yes. Are there instances where I would be like, thank you so much? Like, pull your pants down, like, gluck, gluck. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, Jada, how do you feel? Like, what is... What was this? But like just the fucking notion that people think it is like, oh my God, it is so much more important to, nobody is talking about how they're lining the sand that they're drawing it down is violence, not ableism and jokes about, is not ableism. Like your your hard line is physical violence. Your hard line is not ableism. Mm -hmm. And also verbal abuse and ableism, there is no ranking of what abuse is worse. But when you are doing that, especially like, fucking pandemic where all we have done is tell disabled people like we don't give a shit about you this is like so absolutely fucked and you know that these people i mean it would be a much different tune if they were two white guys but also would it be a much different tune if if jada had lost her hair due to cancer Mm -hmm. no one would have had an issue with that but nobody thought this was a joke because it wasn't a joke it was a dig right it was an ableist dig and it was intentionally for that nobody laughed Nobody in that room fucking laughed. And he knew. There's nothing funny about that. G.I. Jane is such an old fucking move. It's not good. He's a better comedian than that, which we all know. So it's not a joke. It's not a joke that didn't land. It was an intentional dig that landed as he intended it Mm -hmm. to do. And then what the fuck did you think was going to happen? Right. If you, the idea that you think that you can say ableist shit and you're not going to get slapped, that's on you. That's on you. That you think that you are so fucking comfortable to say spew horrible, stupid fucking ableist shit. And you you are so comfortable in that room that you think nothing's going to happen to you. Tough fucking shit. Tough fucking shit. Like I truly, truly, oh, it just makes me so fucking, fucking mad that people have this like, yeah, like I said, this line in the sand that like, this is, oh, this is too far. This is too far. No, 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 no. You don't get to make that call. You don't get to make that call. And this idea that like, well, if we're condoning violence here, blah, blah, blah. Like we're condoning violence everywhere. Really? Really? Is This is giving me police brutality vibes. Right. This is giving me that vibe because like, and they've seen so many white people, but white liberal people who like, this is like, oh my God, this is, this is, t-. and every single one is riddled with racism and riddled with ableism. Mm-hmm. Like they're just two birds, one stone. And just like, shut the fuck up. If you have ableist and racist views in this, if you don't even realize that they are, just literally sit down and be quiet. Like, it's not the hot take that you think it is. This isn't like empowering as like what you think it is at all. All you're doing is having people who are disabled or are not white reading this shit being like, oh, cool. Okay, so you can make jokes at my expense, but the second that I retaliate, you think that my reaction is not You don't think that that's worth it. Mm -hmm. You think that, no, that's not worth it. The jokes are fine. Take as much verbal abuse as you want. Take as many digs as you want. And then you can't do anything about it. Also, hot take. 
I think it's great that comedians are now afraid that the next time that they say something offensive, someone's going to walk on stage and slap them. Amazing. As they should. Amazing. Because it's not funny. You can be funny without offending someone, without making fun of someone because of a medical condition. There are other ways to be funny. And like, why would you? There was no, Jada wasn't up for any awards. Why are you even acknowledging her? G.I. Jane's not even fun. Like, that's not even like a relevant joke. And let me read the next Judd Apatow tweet. Seems like Will Smith's plan to get comedians and the world to not make jokes about him is not going to pan out. The Williams family must be furious. So you're just guessing, speculating how people feel. Pure narcissism. Also, G.I. Jane was gorgeous. What exactly is insulting about being compared to a ripped, stunning Demi? Okay, Jada is ripped and stunning as well. Like, mm-hmm. there shouldn't be a comparison. But also, Judd, where's the joke there? There's You're no not joke even here. saying it like it's a joke either. Yeah. Like, we all know that this isn't a joke. Mm-hmm. And you're choosing to see it as a compliment. Also, G.I. Jing chose to buzz her. I mean, she had to because of it's a war movie. But also, that was a decision that she made. Jada has like patches of hair missing and so Mm -hmm. she shaved her head so that she wouldn't have clumps of hair missing and i hate this whole thing of like well maybe he didn't know maybe he didn't know no hollywood is small you know Mm -hmm. hollywood is small you know and again you saw you looked at their eyes and you heard them during that slap they know each other they know each other it was a personal dig yeah it was personal and then here's his final tweet, or there were more, but this is the last one I'm going to read. I have more hair on my back than on my head, and I can take a joke about it. It's not the same fucking thing. It's because he kept triple and double downing on all these things, and now he's let out a half-ass apology that, like, you don't actually mean this apology because you kept going on about what you were saying. And this was after someone, he was responding. That tweet is actually a response to someone else that said, I have hair loss issues, and that is unhinged behavior. Also, you can have alopecia as a side effect or Mm -hmm. as like a comorbidity with a ton of other things. So like this notion that's like, well, it's not deadly. First of all, anyone who suffers from alopecia or any medical condition, disability in general, it is your choice and your own case is always going to be different and how you view it will be different than other people who are literally experiencing the exact same thing. But you don't get to like police who is more or less valuable, whose disability is more or less valuable in your eyes. And Black women get policed about their hair all the time to the point where just a few weeks ago, a law was passed that you can no longer discriminate against women. It's called the Crown Act about their hair. And Chris Rock made a whole fucking movie about it. That's why it's a dig. Because you as an audience member might not know it's a dig because you don't know the history of this. If you're a white woman watching this, you don't know that history. You don't know that he produced that movie. You don't know that she had struggles with alopecia. You don't know that they definitely know each other. Now that you know all of this information, he knows all of that information. That's not a joke. Mm -hmm. And stood on the fucking stage in front of millions of people who were watching across the world that's how we got to see the extended clips because they weren't on a 10 second delay like that we are in the U.S. He did that on purpose after he's been making digs at them for years. And this is the first time he's done it to their face. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the last thing I'll add to that, even though this is your thing, but, you know, now the Oscars, the Academy is like 
you know, rumored to have been, I don't know if they made an official statement that uh, people are calling for them to remove Will Smith's Oscar. And someone pointed out wonderfully saying, wow, Roman Polanski and Woody Allen still Mm -hmm. have so many Oscars. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yep. And Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Yeah. There was this one TikTok that I was like, this I relate to. And it was this guy going, you know what? But I've learned in the last couple of days, echo chambers are not bad. I Mm. like my echo chamber and I Mm -hmm. don't want my echo chamber to ever touch your echo chamber. Uh, it's embarrassing. But that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it was like 25 minutes long. I'm just, I'm so, it just makes me so upset. Can't wait for the Red Table Talk. That will inevitably happen. Yes. Okay, that is it for this episode. Again, if you want to go vote, head on over to our Instagram stories. Make sure you follow us there so you know when we post, when the votes are all up. And yeah, go comment on the latest Instagram post who you would like to nominate for your Rachel of the Week. And let us know anything else you want us to talk about in these episodes. Again, always tag us in things. Subscribe, leave a review. Anything else? No, I'm good. Okay. Well, that's it. And uh, we will circle back next week. Goodbye. But Am I Wrong is a production by me, Megan Rinks. And me, Melissa DeMonts, plus Diamond Imprint Productions. Post-production by Coco Lorenz. And production assistance by Melanie D. Watson.